PDPW On Demand. Here's Bill Baker. Thank you for joining us once again and supporting the PDPW Weekly Podcast, where this week we're joined by Shelly O'Leary. Shelly's been the communications and outreach specialist with professional dairy producers since 2016. She was raised on a Wisconsin dairy farm, and the bulk of her life's been devoted to the dairy industry. She also has 20 years of independent contractor sales experience in which she served in leadership, coaching, and teaching roles. And Shelly joins us on the PDPW Weekly Podcast this week to share with us the power of words. I'm guessing everyone listening to this podcast has heard the phrase, if you don't have anything good to say, then don't say anything at all. I heard those words often growing up. (laughs) They were generally directed at me when I was complaining to my parents about my brothers. So I never found myself in any sort of mood to receive their wisdom. But the phrase merits our attention, particularly in a world that's growing increasingly cynical and combative. Actually, giving credence to the power of our words is a concept as old as time itself. King Solomon wrote in chapter 18 of the book of Proverbs, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Our words have power. We've probably all said things we regret and wish we could take back. On the other hand, we've probably all been the recipients of words others have said to encourage and edify us. Words convey ideas and emotions that are important to us, whether in just that particular moment or as guiding life principles. And we see this played in the quantity of words represented for things in individual languages. Here's what I mean. It's been shown that the Inuits of Greenland and parts of Alaska have more than 50 words for snow. So in English, we have a few words that represent snow, We talk about slush, sleet, snowflakes, blizzards, but that's a far cry from 50. Now, academics at the University of Glasgow in Scotland have compiled a thesaurus of Scottish words showing that they have 421 words for snow, including words for snowy, drifting snow, large snowflakes, a slight snow shower, snow falling in large flakes, small drops or flakes of wind-driven snow and rain, and 415 more that you can be thankful I am not going to rattle off right now. The Japanese language has dozens of words for the pronoun you. If I want to say something as simple as, hey, I have something for you, I'd first need to choose the right word, and that would depend on whether I want to use a polite form, a very polite form, an impolite form, or a really rude form. There are even different ways of addressing men and women, immediate superiors, higher up superiors, inferior colleagues, male children, female children, uh, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a spouse. In fact, you'd use a different form of the word you if you're talking to a suspected criminal. And depending on whether they've just been accused or are still on trial or have already been convicted, then you're going to use a different one altogether. So that's fun trivia. But let's make this practical. Our words are so powerful, they can build up or tear down. They can encourage or devastate. They can compel a person to keep on fighting 
or to give up completely. If you've ever been called ugly, stupid, fat, lazy, worthless, you know how awful words can make you feel. On the other hand, if you've ever been described as fun, energetic, talented, charming, athletic, brilliant, strong, you know how wonderful words can make us feel. Let's consider how we raise our children. Now, you don't have to be a child psychologist to be able to predict the futures of two distinct categories of kids. So let's talk about a category of children who are raised by a parent or parents who encourage and love and nurture and even discipline their kids. And let's compare that category to kids who are, are consistently insulted, berated, shouted at, guilt-tripped, or maybe simply ignored or disregarded altogether. If we were to discern which group is more likely to drop out of school, end up in prison, or go on to a successful career and enjoy healthy relationships, we don't have to be uh, highly educated to figure that out, do we? And because children eventually grow to be adults, the power of our words impacts who we are as adults. And I'm telling you, this includes how we talk to ourselves. Consider these phrases. Oh man, I'm running late again. Why can't I ever be on time? Oh, what on earth was I thinking? Why did I sign up for this project? There's no way I can pull this off. Oh my goodness, when did my pants get so tight? Listen up, Chubbo. It's time to get serious about eating better. Dimply thighs are only cute on babies. They're not cute on you. Hmm. Now, maybe none of you have ever said any of these things to yourself, but some of you probably have, uh, and many of you could probably offer up your own versions of the self-criticisms you say to yourself once in a while. Here's some good news. Each new moment is the perfect time to make a change for the better. It starts by being aware of what you're saying to yourself. Next time you catch yourself saying something negative to yourself, pause to realize you've just made a statement that isn't necessarily true. Sure, all of us can stand to improve in a few areas in our life, and we can be kinder to ourselves in that process of improving ourselves. Another approach to think about when you start criticizing yourself is to consider if you would let someone talk to your child that way, or your mom, your sister, your brother, your friend. If someone said out loud in a restaurant to your mom or your sister, your brother, your friend, or your child, whoa, fatty, you do not need that piece of cake. Here's some celery. Try that. Would that declaration sit well with you? Probably not. So why do we say negative things to ourselves? I never get it right. I'm always late. I'm so forgetful. I never get my reports done on time. I am such a klutz. Why do we do that? It's easy to fall victim to negative self-talk, especially if you've been doing it your whole life. And let's face it, positive self-talk just feels weird 
I mean, <laughs> does anybody really go around saying to themselves, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Okay, I don't want to diminish the fact that positive affirmations have repeatedly been shown to be very effective when they're written down and stated consistently and taken seriously. But that doesn't mean they feel natural when we first start implementing this idea of speaking to ourselves in a positive way. So here are a few simple tips to get you started. First of all, avoid using the word always and never when you're judging yourself. It's highly unlikely that you're always late or that you never get it right. Secondly, when you're attempting to encourage yourself, recognize that even a partial win is a success. So let's say you thought you could not finish a project that you volunteered for and you did finish it. Now, maybe you didn't finish it as well or splashy as you wanted to and maybe you didn't get it uh, submitted as quickly as you wanted to, but you finished it. So instead of pointing out all of the flaws and mistakes that you made along the way, or worse yet, sharing all those flaws with other people, stop that. Congratulate yourself for what you did. Hey friend, you did it. You agreed to a project and you completed it. Way to go. And when you have a day where it feels like you've got nothing good to say to yourself or anybody else, try this perspective. I may not have it all together, but I can smile at a stranger and make a difference in their life right now. How wonderful to have that kind of power over someone's life. I'm so thankful. Let's think about how we talk to children when they're just learning to walk. They fall down all the time, but we never say to them, oh my word, you are so bad at walking. You are never going to figure this out. No, no, no. We say, great job, buddy. Oh, you're doing so good. What a big boy you are. Oh, kaboom. <laughs> oh, you fell down. Hey, no problem. No problem. Come on, let's try that again. Right? They don't even know what the words we're saying mean, but they can tell by our facial movements, our hand gestures, our body language, and the tone of our voice that we are praising them. We are encouraging them. We are proud of what we're seeing. We, we need to do that for ourselves as well. Let me offer you a quick glimpse into my personal life. I've recently committed to myself that I'm going to stop telling myself and other people that I'm not a morning person. Now, I understand some people are naturally more inclined to be night owls. Some are more inclined to be early birds. The truth is, for me, I'm inclined to be a night owl. I've always been that way. However, when I am intentional about waking up early, I always feel better about myself. Now, maybe not right away, but throughout the day, I feel so much better about myself. I'm way more productive. And as a bonus, I get to spend more time with my husband. When he gets home from work, I'm not still buried with a couple hours yet of work projects that I feel obligated to finish 
before I can even talk to him. And I love spending time with him where I'm not feeling pressured to go back to my office sometime that night and finish up a project. Now, I, I do want to be clear and say that when we set ourselves up for self-improvement on whatever level, we also need to back our goals up with appropriate actions. So just because I say to myself and to Josh, hey, I want to do a better job of waking up earlier in the morning for this reason and that reason and all these other reasons, just saying those things is not going to make me want to jump out of bed and sing songs. What I need to do is start winding down earlier in the evening so I can fall asleep earlier so that when I wake up, it's not only earlier in the morning, but I actually feel more rested. What a concept. So a few years back, I stumbled across a video on YouTube that powerfully illustrates the power of our words. In a study sponsored by the furniture retail company, IKEA, students at a school in the United Arab Emirates were invited to participate in an experiment involving two house plants. So I'm just going to say this was not the most scientific of experiments, but hear me out. I want to tell you what they found. So these two house plants were of the exact same variety and size. They each received the same amount of light, nutrition, water. To the greatest degree possible, they were kept under identical controlled environments for 30 days. Here's where the difference comes in. Over the course of those 30 days, those students were instructed to talk to each plant separately using a microphone whose speaker was inside the plant's controlled environment. The first plant was essentially bullied. It was verbally abused. No one likes you. No one notices when you're in the room. You're a mistake. You're useless. You're not even green. You look rotten. Are you even alive? The other plant was praised and complimented. I like you the way you are. Seeing you blossom makes me happy. You're making a difference in the world. You are beautiful. So after 30 days, the plant that received compliments was healthy and thriving, while its verbally abused counterpart was wilted and noticeably droopy. The results are pretty astounding, actually. Uh, Google the YouTube video from IKEA called Bully a Plant, Say No to Bullying. And um, as I mentioned, there are people who have said things like, well, this is all a hoax. Uh, IKEA stands behind uh, the fact that the study was conducted in exactly the way that they say it is. But whether or not this particular uh, experiment could be replicated, what is known to be neurologically, psychologically, and scientifically true is that the way we speak to others has a critical impact on their lives. In my opinion, this video does a fantastic job of bringing that truth to life. Check it out. See it for yourself. So I'm going to take a different branch here as I wind up this podcast uh, so follow along with me as I weave together the power of words thread 
and the IKEA plant bullying experiment. I went through most of my K through 12 years in a public school as an unpopular, awkward, very uncool farm kid. To exacerbate matters, I was separated from my classmates for about half of every day so that I could be brought to a different class. Um, uh, That class was one year older. So when I was in first grade, I always was in second grade for half the day and on and on and on. Uh, And the whole purpose was that the teachers realized that I was at a more advanced level. And so I would take uh, a different class's courses in English and reading and spelling and math. So while you might say, oh, that's really cool, it didn't feel really cool uh, because I was <laughs> picked on by both the kids, and, well, by the kids in both classes. I didn't have cool hair. I didn't have cool clothes. I didn't even walk cool or smile cool. And I know this because they would pass around surveys indicating that the whole class thought so. And I probably smelled like the barn on more than one occasion, even though my parents did their best to take care of me and we were never abused. We were always loved and taken care of at home. But still, uh, I was picked on a lot. So many was the day I came home from school, got off the bus, and mom could tell that I'd been crying um, because of what other people called me or what they said about me. In my hearing, they knew I could hear what they were talking about, about me, and it hurt me so much. So there I was, a withering, droopy plant, and I was so blessed to return home to a mom and dad whose careful use of words shaped me into the self-confident individual I am today. My mom was an avid reader and learner, and despite the ostracizing I went through every day at school, she encouraged me to be proud of the fact that I was smarter I can use that word, than my classmates, that I had an opportunity to learn at a higher level than the classmates my age. (laughs) And every time she would say that, I would think, well, that's really easy for you to say. You don't have to live through it. When I grew to be a teenager, I clearly remember my dad telling me one of the surest ways, Shelly, you can distinguish yourself as a class act is to never reduce yourself to the common mannerisms and the conversations of people who don't know how to use correct grammar and who pepper what they say with foul language. You don't need to talk like that. If you talk like you're unintelligent, people will assume it's true. As a college student, uh, when uh, I graduated from UW-Madison, I had the privilege to work closely with Dr. Dave Dixon. Uh, Many hundreds, if not thousands of people had the privilege of working with Dr. Dave. He was, of course, world renowned for his influence in the dairy cattle judging and show ring circuit, to name just a few things. Interestingly, what I remember most keenly about Dr. Dave was his incredibly distinct style of conversation. He used words that were on the periphery of my vocabulary, and I'm sure many other people's vocabulary. For the first time, I realized that his word choices held me spellbound. 
he had such a way of crafting a story and it wasn't just the way he pulled the elements of a story together it was the words he chose to describe every element of the story i wanted to emulate him in that way now some people would say that's weird <laughs> i admired him for this reason or that reason but i never thought about how he talked well i did now, if I look back on all of my life, I couldn't tell you the precise moment that I made a turnaround from that insecure, unpopular farm kid to an adult who is healthy, self-assured, and confident in her own skin. That's probably because there wasn't one singular moment in which that change happened. Just as droopy, withering, neglected plants don't immediately spring back to life once they receive a drink of water or a splash of fertilizer. Neither do people who are accustomed to hearing and accepting words of defeat and failure, criticism, and fear. <laughs> My goodness, there's so much more that could be said on the topic of the power of words. Indeed, books have been written, many, many books. TED Talks have been presented on this topic, and half a million quotes or more uh, about the power of words. I want to conclude by suggesting that each one of you take inventory of your word choices. Do you have a lot of words in your vocabulary? Who can benefit today by the words you'll speak into their life? A loved one? A team member? A stranger at Walmart or Quick Trip? The person you see in the mirror? Words are powerful. Choose the right ones. Our thanks to Shelly O'Leary for today's message. Shelly, the communications and outreach specialist with the professional dairy producers. And our thanks to you for listening and supporting these weekly PDPW podcasts. And we encourage you to have a safe and productive week. 